Good morning, everybody, on this Martin Luther King Day. We may have some new listeners that don't get a chance to hear us live. Of course, you can always catch our podcast. The Mary Griffith Show brought to you each and every weekday morning by Harvest Ridge Coffee and Refreshment Services Pepsi. And remember, if you love fresh brewed coffee, stop by any of your local convenience stores and pick up a delicious cup of Harvest Ridge Coffee. And if you like it at your office or at home, trust me, they've got prepackaged Ground beans that are just wonderful. That's what we have at the Radio Ranch every single morning. Well, it's a chilly one out there, but Lucas Brass has come and braved the weather with his Soil Health Mania t-shirt on, tie-dyed. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the 6th Annual NEMO West Central Illinois Soil Health Workshop. But first, Lucas, let's talk about you. Introduce yourself to our audience and Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Mary Noah, thank you, thank you very much for having me on and a uh, chance to promote the workshop here and let folks know about what we got going on. So uh, I'm a soil health specialist in northeast Missouri for the Natural Resource Conservation Service, USDA, NRCS. Uh, cover about 30 counties over there in the northeast and central region of Missouri. So uh, been at the job here a little over a year and a half, and we've been been promoting this workshop here for, for the last five years. We're getting ready to have number six, so it's been a good success. But my, my main job is to... Uh, you know, just go across my portion of Missouri and, uh, and you know, speak with folks and try and inform and educate about soil health and about the principles of soil health and uh, and how we can help, you know, both both cropland farmers and livestock farmers achieve soil health out on out on their land and, and make the most out of that resource. Well, you know, we we think about our soil and most people don't think about our soil unless you're a farmer. But I saw something so interesting over the weekend. I was watching a national network show and there is a thing called pea cycling where people you have a special uh, toilet in your house that collects your urine. I'm not making it up. It collects your urine, and once a month you offload this human urine, and it's taken to a special processing plant where it's pasteurized just so there aren't any um, illnesses in it. Gotcha. And it is returned uh, to farm soil. So farmers, uh, you know, because it's got your human urine has all of the things in it that There's nutrients plants in there. need to grow. That's right. That's and right. oftentimes we offshoot, you know, that's why your pea sometimes it's different colors. We don't have to go that graphically. <laughs> but it was very interesting to think about that because um, a lot of people do uh, uh, urine tea for their own gardens and stuff. And so actually, I mean, the perfect cycle is we eat food that is grown in soil and then we eliminate that through our solid and liquid waste, and that can be reused. Now, most people aren't going to go to the effort, but it is the perfect cycle. And that is what we do to it. Some people do that to amend their, you know, their small garden soil. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, there's been a lot out there here the last, you know, few years talking about compost teas. Um, you know, folks using, there's a there's a thing out there called a Johnson Sioux uh, uh, reactor. And and they kind of build it out of a uh, out of a uh, chemical like an old chemical tub, and uh, you know they'll they'll layer it with straw and and compost and and you know they'll add water and things like that, and then they'll add worms in there, and uh, and you know folks will go they'll go to town and they'll get you know they'll get the leftovers or whatever that comes out of restaurants and right. schools, 
and then it'll bring it in and they'll they'll layer it in these in these Johnson Sioux uh, composters and it uh, you know the worms they break it down and they turn it into this compost tea and you can drain that liquid off of it you know every so often and folks are using it to either treat seed that they're gonna put in the ground and and that goes for you know cash crops not only you know something you might be growing in the garden or something you're growing in a high tunnel or something like that um but uh but yeah these or they'll use it as a foliar type uh fertilizer to to apply to growing plants so it's it's really neat to see you know just just what folks have you know been able to come up with or or do to you know, reuse, reuse. A, a lot of the things out there. And, yeah, and whether compost, you have animal waste or human waste. I exactly. mean, it's all, it's a, and we all know that, and well, we don't all know. I happen to know because I'm a news reporter. I'm, <laughs> well, we all know. No, we don't, Barry. But like Hannibal and Quincy, our wastewater treatment plant um, creates a sludge product yep. that's a byproduct, and yep. farmers buy that, yep. and they can put that on their fields. Now, it's very tightly controlled. You know, they have to test it to make sure are there any harsh you know, hard things in there, you yes, know, ma'am. something. Yes, ma'am. But so we have to constantly be augmenting our soil, and that's where soil health comes in. It's just like your body. You have to keep eating and keep taking in nutrients to keep your body alive. We have to keep, keep augmenting soil our soil alive. So the 6th Annual Nemo West Central Illinois Soil Health Workshop, you in Northeast Missouri, your counterpart here in West Central Illinois, everybody's going to get together. On Friday, January 26th, over in Monroe City at the Knights of Columbus Hall, 8.30 in the morning till 3.30 in the afternoon, lunch is included. A couple of keynote speakers, we'll get to that. Yep. But who should come to this? Because we think of farmers, but I guess anyone who wants to, I mean, you could do this for your lawn. You could do this for your garden. Exactly. Uh, there are people who want a conservation plot, and they may want to you know, have a pheasant or turkey habitat or a deer habitat. And again, you have to augment that and add to that, or it's it's not going to be successful. Exactly. Yeah, Mary and I and I would add, you know, all everybody's welcome. Um, and I would also add to that, you know, if you if you own land uh, and and you know you you rent it out or you lease it out or maybe you crop share it, you know, and 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 maybe your producer has has visited with you about some no-till practices or planting cover crops um, or rotationally grazing cattle um, on a more intensive basis, you know, and and you don't you can't really wrap your mind around some of that or you know maybe maybe your parents didn't do it that way or you know whoever operated the ground before and so this is a really good workshop really good opportunity to to just be able to sit down and listen to all things soul health and you know why why are we doing this why is it working maybe why is it not working depending on the way we're doing it um you know we're going to have a local producer panel there to to talk about you know their their kind of trials and tribulations and, and uh, cause and effects that they've seen over the years on their operations. So, so yeah, I really, uh, I, I really try to extend that invitation to, to anybody and everybody, but, but especially, you know, maybe some of those landowners, maybe they might be an absentee landowner, uh, aren't there on the farm to see what's going on. And, uh, you know, the, the one thing that we've talked about in, in years past at this event is unfortunately we don't get to control our rainfall events. You know, I've been, I've been trying to kind of, wow. I've been trying to kind of get on the same page as Mother Nature here the last few years, and, and it hasn't are, happened. We are in a pretty serious drought. So yeah. this spring, barring some great turnaround, we are still going to be uh, moisture deprived in our soil, and yep. that may 
encourage people to do something a little bit different. Yeah. And along, I mean, along with the drought situations that we've had, you know, so, so part of the thing with soil health is figuring out ways to conserve water, you know, and, and keep moisture in the soil uh, by reducing disturbance and having some living roots out there. Uh, but we also, you know, with those soil health principles, you know, we're trying to figure out ways to help control erosion when we get those you know, four inch, five inch rainfall events that uh, that we don't we don't necessarily see coming, and uh, and all of a sudden you know we get a we get a pretty nasty pretty nasty event there, storm event, and uh, and, and we're creating more issues that we've got to try and take care of uh, as soon as harvest is over or right before we put our seeds in the ground. So so yeah, that's 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 another benefit to to some of those soil health principles and practices. Well, I know that there was great concern when Mark Twain Lake was impounded that, you know, it would be filled with uh, fertilizer and agricultural runoff. And this is true of our Illinois River, our Mississippi River, any of our rivers. The farmers, trust me, they don't want to pay all that money to put fertilizer on the ground only to have it go into the river. They're trying to keep it right where it belongs in the soil. But again, you have to have the most modern best practices that everybody can can come on board with to really help people understand. And the farmers are the ones that take the best care of the land. I mean, after all, that's how they make their business. That's how they live their family. And they hopefully have, you know, youngsters that they're going to give that land to. So they are the most motivated to do the right thing. But it's like everything else. If you don't know how to do the right thing. Yeah. So let's talk about this. The the workshop is Friday, January 26th. Yes, ma'am. Just start with some of the topics and give us just the thumbnail sketch of what that means, because there's an awful lot of people out there right now listening that have no knowledge of how their food gets to, you know, and we all know, for example, that, you know, pig waste smells. <laughs> but if you capture enough of it and spread it out far enough, right. it also grows great corn. Yeah, that's so, right. That's uh, right. you know, everything has a byproduct and everything can be used. Yep. So give us a little, you know, talk, talk not just to the farmers who we want to talk to them because they're the ones primarily that are going to come, but talk to the average person, too, about why this is important and why you're teaching people how to do this because it's better for their food. Yep. Yep. No, Mary. Appreciate it again. Um, yeah. So the sixth annual, we're uh, we're next Friday and uh, the 26th. We're going to be over there at Monroe City at the Knights Columbus. We'll be there all day long. Um, should be a, should be a great event again. And uh, we'd like for folks to register or give us an RSVP by this Friday. We want to make sure we get you down and uh, make sure we got a meal for you. We have a great meal. The ladies of the Holy Rosary over there take care of us, and uh, they even throw in some desserts and ice cream there after lunch. So that's pretty hard <laughs> to pass up um, for for some of these folks that uh, you know haven't haven't had a chance to enjoy some of that. But uh, this year we've got Russell Hedrick, and Russell comes to us from Hickory, North Carolina, which is on the western side of North Carolina. He's a first generation farmer, started farming in 2000. 2012, and uh, in in just a short time, you know, I say a short time, 10 years. Sometimes when you're farming, that seems like a short time. But he has uh, he has managed to grow a world record 459 bushel corn. Wow! You know, acre corn bushel the acre corn in 2022. So you know, a guy that was an EMT in town and and really had no connection to the farm came in, uh, started practicing some soil health practices going around educating himself at, at these soil health workshops and, 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 you know, conferences around the United States. And within 10 years, you know, he's blowing things out of the water. And that just goes to show, again, um, and this happens every generation. There's always a new generation that comes up and wants to change some farm practices. And, of course, the old guard 
If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> but the problem is you have to keep moving forward because you, the way corn prices are now, you've got to get yep. every, every bushel yep. out of that acre of land. Yep. And so if there are some practice you, you can do that don't cost a lot of money, yeah. that improve your soil health, not only make your crop good this year, but can make it good two, four, six years down the road, these are the kind of things to do. So this gentleman knows how to farm. Yeah, he's uh, he's really, you know, and, and, and he's going to talk about the economics of, of growing, you know, that yield of corn. You know, there's a lot of folks out there, I'm sure they're, you know, they're saying, holy cow, to grow 400 bushel corn, you know, we're going to have to spend 800, you know, $1,000 an acre to, to do it. Um, but I think uh, if, you, if you get the opportunity to come over and listen, you know, I think you're going to hear otherwise there from Russell. And well, one thing he does is no-till. Yeah. And that's been around for a really long time, long and time. I'm still kind of surprised there are still some people who are not no-till. They just don't do no-till, and, and so there must be a downside to no-till. What is the downside to no-till? Um, I, I mean, I've been, I've been practicing here uh, since 2000 and 2011 and, uh, on, on a farm that uh, worked with my father-in-law on outside of Barrie, Illinois, and, uh, you know, we've, we've had... We had some trials and tribulations those those first three four years, and uh, and then we started introducing some cover crops to it after the drought of 2012, and we started to kind of see things turn around a little bit for us, and uh, you know we've seen we've seen our uh, input prices go down a little bit, and uh, you know a lot better a lot better moisture conservation out there. We haven't been impacted by the drought here these last couple of years as much as uh, we thought we would. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been pretty happy with it. We've seen more consistent yields across the field um, than in years past. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it it should work for everyone. Um, it's, it's a mindset. You know, uh, one of my previous uh, bosses said we had a soil health workshop over in Shelbina probably 10 years ago and uh, 10, 11 years ago before I, I really started going into this myself. And, uh, you know, he stood up in front of all the farmers over there and he, and he kind of pointed to the top of his head. And he said, the first thing we've got to do today is, uh, is I'm going to ask everybody to reduce some of the compaction right up here in between the ears. <laughs> and, and that's a, you know, that's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. But, you know, we have to be willing to open our mind a little bit to, to some of these practices because, like I say, you know, that, that wasn't always done that way. But, if we if we look back, you know maybe 25 years ago, 25 30 years ago, um, to that to that you know previous generation, there was a lot of wheat uh, incorporated into rotations, and you know some folks would also plant some clover behind the wheat or with the wheat in those rotations, right. and and you know they they didn't sometimes they bailed it off, sometimes they didn't, sometimes they would plow it under. And, and put that put that biomass right back in the ground. Now I'm not I'm not here to advocate for the moldboard plow again, <laughs> but but uh, you know when when we think about it, you know back then we had a bigger diversity in our rotations, and and that's one of our soil health principles we talk about is, is trying to figure out a way to increase diversity not only in our plants uh, but in our in our in the biology that's in the soil that's that's making it alive. And and you know I, I give presentations to fourth and fifth graders and stuff around northeast Missouri during the year and, and I come out and, and I you know I wear my soul health mania shirt and and I uh, got some shtick there and I said, Do you guys do you guys feel alive today? And the kids, Yeah, yeah and I said, Well do you think the soil is alive? And and they're like, Uh they don't they don't quite know how <laughs> yeah, to react. Yeah. And uh, I said, Well I'm gonna show you how the soil is alive. 
and and we do some we do some demonstrations there and and different ways to show um, that that the roots and the biology and the life in the soil is is what allows it to hold together uh you know when we when we put it in a we do a slake test we call a slake test where we just submerse a clot of soil in water and and on a non-healthy soil it that that that, that particle just starts to blow apart and and all of a sudden the water's all murky and you can't see anything through it and then that that healthy soil uh is it just stays together maybe a couple pieces fall off the water's crystal clear and and the kids just sit there and they're like wow you know wow and so those that's one of the that's one of the demos that we do uh along with uh, along with a couple others to show kids yeah. that our soil is alive and most adults don't know that either so <laughs> Russell Hedrick is coming all the way from North Carolina and he will talk about how you possibly could get 459 bushels per acre push in the corn push the limits push the limits and then um, let's talk a little bit about Jerry Hatfield. Yeah, Jerry Hatfield. I've been I've been trying to get Jerry for this conference uh, for the last three four years, Mary. He uh, I've, I've heard Jerry speak a couple times. Really enjoyed um, what he has to say. Jerry was Jerry was involved in ag research for over thirty years with uh, with the USDA Ag Research Service up out of Ames, Iowa. And uh, so Jerry's you know a little closer to home here with uh, the climates and, and things that we have and, and, you know, kind of our, our management systems here through the Midwest, through the Corn Belt. And Jerry talks about carbon, and carbon is one of the most important elements when it comes to driving your soul health system. Um, on the back of our shirts here, we got a saying that says, let's pump some carbon. And so by having living plants, you know, that's our carbon inlet to pump carbon from the sun into the soil. And carbon's what makes the whole, it's, it's kind of like the sugar in the Kool-Aid, Mary. It's, it's what gets it rolling. We and it draws everybody to the pitcher. And we can't, we can't do anything without carbon as well. I'm going to ask you a question you would know. It's time for me to take a break for That's our farm markets. Do we have farm markets today on Martin Luther King Day? Ooh, I don't know. I don't I, know. Uh, well, I'm not 100% sure. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll call up to the Ursa Farmers Cooperative and see if anybody answers the phone. If they do, we'll have the farm markets. If they've taken the federal holiday off, then we'll know that uh, there are no farm markets today. But we want to thank Rex Battery for always sponsoring our Farm Market Report, and we'll be right back. Well, we found the answer to our question. There are no farm markets today. It is a federal holiday. We also have no ability for me to play any commercials. So uh, good thing Lucas Brass likes to talk, because it looks like we got a lot of talking to do here, Lucas. Now, at any given moment, this stupid machine may decide to start... Uh, go in and I'll just give you the time out and you can just stop and That's we'll fine. we'll play commercial. That's fine, Mary. I understand. Um, you know, <laughs> the computer is as frozen as my toes. So <laughs> Russell Hedrick's coming. He's a real-life corn farmer, so he knows what you go through. Yep. And Jerry Hatfield is one of those eggheads, but he also knows what you go through out of Ames, Iowa. He's got 30 years of crop system research under his belt and yep. knows a lot about soils. And then Harley Nauman. Nauman, yep. Harley Nauman. Nauman. Dr. Nauman, yep. He's from the University of Missouri. He's uh, so so uh, at our second year, second or third year, I forget a little bit now. Uh, time gets away from me. But then uh, there was a whole COVID fog in there one year. We weren't able to have the workshop. But uh, after after the first year or two, we started offering up some some livestock breakouts after lunch at this meeting. Because so, livestock are part of soil Exactly, health. exactly. It's huge. Um, so we we wanted to figure out a way to, to, you know, reach out to those livestock farmers. And so what we do is in the morning at Monroe City, we will have some general 
sessions for everybody, and, and then we'll do our, our producer panel, big question and answer there, and let those folks talk about talk about their operations and allow folks to ask questions. And then after lunch, we usually try to have a little bit of an off-topic discussion that maybe doesn't pertain to soil health, but we feel like it pertains to ag in general. So, you know, we've talked about uh, conservation laws and uh, agreements, cash, cash lease agreements and things. We had that a couple years ago. Last year we talked about succession planning and thinking about, you know, transitioning to that next generation. Critical. So, yeah, pretty big there, and that was a good one. So this year our off-color topic is going to be new drone technologies. If, if I, uh, you know, if I, if I, if I said that, uh, you know, technology wasn't growing in that area, oh, no. I, would, I would be lying through my Artificial teeth. Artificial intelligence oh, is goodness. going to change the way, well, you know, first of all, when you go to like um, any of these ag shows and you see these farm tractors that start themselves, go out <laughs> and do their job, come back and refuel, go out again and do their job. And if somebody tries to steal it, it sends you an alert while you're sitting there in your Barca lounger saying, uh, excuse me, I'm heading down Highway 36 and I'm not supposed to be. Yeah. It's just amazing. However, the more technology we have, we have to have a smarter and smarter farmer. It really, it does not replace human intelligence. It augments human yeah. intelligence. Yeah. And as long as the farmer has all the historical data and has the feeling in their bones of what's going to happen, <laughs> AI cannot replace it. But boy, is there a lot that can be done on all levels of agriculture yeah. with uh, with used to be machinery made the difference, and now it's not just machinery, but it's the way the machinery thinks. I mean, it can go over, talk about fewer passes over your land, yeah. fewer, you know, it can go over and it can tell you how much nitrogen is in your soil, yeah. and it can tell you how much fertilizer to put down on this square acre as opposed to this one, and yeah, yeah because back in the olden days, it was just like, throw it out there, <laughs> you know, and if the parts that need it will take it up, and the other parts, it'll run off, and right. it's a mess, so yeah. there's a lot going on. So the the drone technologies, uh, Kent Shannon is uh, with the University of Missouri, and uh, Kent's been Kent's been into drones for you know ever since they kind of started kicking around, and he does a really good job. So he's going to talk about uh, the new, just inform us about the new technologies that are out there and the and the capabilities of some of these drones and some of these machines and, and sensors on the drones and cameras on the drones. Uh, so he's going to hit on that, and then uh, and then we'll have uh, we'll offer up those livestock breakouts. So the beautiful thing about the Knights Columbus over there, we've got another we've got a separate room, and so we uh, we give folks the option they can either we'll have some uh, crop talks, uh, cropland talks in the main room there uh, again with with Russell and Dr. Hatfield, and but if you're if you're wanting to hear more on the livestock side of things, you can go back in the uh, in the other room there. And Dr. Nauman's going to be talking about that, and he's going to hit on a couple topics that we think are, are have become a little more prevalent. And one of them is going to be stockpiling of some of our fescues and other cool season grasses that are pretty dominant here throughout north north uh, northeast Missouri and west central Illinois. So he's going to talk about how how to manage for stockpiling some of that uh, some of that some of that grass. And then he's also going to hit on you know what tools are in the toolbox to offset drought type conditions and and maybe if if we avoid a drought this year what tools are there to help us extend our grazing season further into November December January and and some of the things he's going to talk about are going to be utilizing warm season grasses 
Um, we're over in Missouri. We're getting ready to have a sign up for. Uh, or we currently have a sign up for folks wanting to plant warm season grasses. We're going to be having some meetings, informational meetings over there in February. Uh, but I don't. I don't want to get ahead of myself there. But um, also. You know, with uh, with with strip grazing or with uh, using summer annuals, which are cover crops that we can utilize in a, in a grazing type situation, we can utilize some of those summer annuals to allow our cool season grasses to rest a little more during those hot dry periods and and allow them you know to recover a little bit quicker come fall. So so those are going to be some of the things that that Dr. Nauman talks about. Wow, there's just there's so much that that can be talked about when it comes to soil health. And the one thing that that really is fascinating to me, because I I do try to keep up, like I said, my parents both grew up on farms. I'm a city slicker extraordinaire. But, for example, everybody, you know, like chickens. I've got friends that keep chickens. And you've got to keep moving those chickens around. You know, you can't expect them to, they're going to eat all the worms in that area. You know, you've got to move them. You've got to keep things moving. It's the same way with your cattle herd. Back in the olden days, I guess they still do it at Yellowstone with Kevin Costner, but you know, you just put your thing out there and said, here's five million acres, go wander about. We'll pick you up in a year or two and bring you to the slaughterhouse. But now you've got people with electric fencing keeping, you know, it's like amazing. Like they chew the grass down to practically nothing, then they move them on, and then that grass recovers for maybe three or four months. Yep. There's all these different strategies. Yep. And again, you have to kind of know what works for you, and some of that is um, experimentation. Exactly. And exactly. that's where I'm sure it gets tough, because if you go to all this drought-resistant stuff, and then the heavens open up, and we have a... a rain event this spring that is unbelievable you won't know if it worked because you didn't have drought exactly you know same way with this you know quartering off your all this livestock area you don't really know if it works until you've done it for a while yep got it you got to give it a try Uh, you know we we always folks joke over there in missouri you know it's it's a show me state you (laughs) got to show me got to show me and uh you know unfortunately i I can't. Uh, I guess my my best way of going about showing folks is is to bring in folks and and talk about uh, their successes or or maybe some failures along the way. But well, how they've that's overcome how you learn. Them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I don't think there's any farmer who hasn't had some kind of failure. I mean, if you don't have some kind of failure. Well, first of all, Mother Nature. I think it's great that you're having it over at Monroe City near a church, because if anything, farmers got to do its prey. That's right. You know, that's, that's right. about the only thing. That's right. That's about the only thing that maybe works some years. That's right. When it comes to soil health, and we're talking a lot about the ag producers and the people that make our our protein, that have the you know the livestock, have the cattle, have the sheep, have the pigs, have the chickens. And so much of that now, you know, is moved to big confinement and feed. And you mentioned a little bit about forage. Uh, some of my friends years ago, I had closer friends that were farmers over in that Shelby County area. Yep. And they would always remark how some farmers weren't very careful with their hay bales. So, you know, they didn't wrap them tight. They didn't store them right. They seemed like. And I always thought to myself, why would you go to all that trouble to grow that and then not store it correctly? Does it really make that much of a difference, though? Because I see a lot of dilapidated kind of bales lying around sometimes i'm like well who wants to eat that if i was a cow i would want to eat that yeah i think uh you know i think depending on how you store it or where you store yeah. it you can end up with uh you know a little more waste in the bale 
Um, you know, so if you're able to put it into an enclosed shed or, or you know, sometimes they, they stack them up, you know, to where they reduce some of the exterior being right. exposed to the elements or, or uh, you know, the critters. And they can wrap them and yep. stuff. Yep. But, I mean, I see literally, I drive around, and, you know, just around this general area, I'm not talking about way out in the country, but <laughs> just around here in Quincy, I will see, you know, I guess they're hay bales. They're just sitting there. They've been sitting there for months. They're falling apart. They're coming unwrapped. Is that something that's just been abandoned? I would imagine that that would be worth money. Why would somebody just let that go to rot? And yet, around in this urban area, I do see that. But yeah. I don't remember seeing, like, I don't remember driving over to Monroe City or Shelbina and seeing big swatches of, you know, uh, hay just yeah. sitting out there rotting in the field. Yeah. So. I, uh, well, especially this, this past year, say, because, so uh, some hard the, to come by. Yeah. It was hard to come by and there was, there was getting to be a pretty good penny on, uh, on some hay bales. So, you know, it's one of those deals, you know, maybe, maybe somebody bailed it and, uh, you know, at the time they didn't have, have anywhere for it to go or, um, you know, farmer may have not, not had, uh, you know, thought, oh, you know, we'll, we'll sell it, you know, somebody will call and, you know, maybe we'll get rid of it. I, I'm not for sure. It's it's or it just, maybe they didn't have yeah. the storage. It so. fascinates me just as a layperson because I know that's worth money. Yeah, it'd be kind of like driving by a cornfield and you saw them plant it and you saw them take care of it all year and then all of a sudden it's December and they haven't <laughs> harvested it and you're like, gee whiz, I wonder you know what the story yeah. there is. So yeah, yeah. we're going to try to take another break. It may not work. So Lucas, <laughs> sit there quietly and we'll see if anything happens. All right. <laughs> well, apparently it's not going to take a commercial break. So. I guess I don't get paid today. You, did, you weren't going to get paid anyway, Lucas. That's right. I'm, I, I had the day off. Yeah, today, you, but, you, but was, you're you're out of luck either way. I'm glad I'm glad to take the time to come in and, and talk about this. That's that's for sure. This is Friday, January 26th. Uh, it's going to be from 8:30 in the morning till 3:30 in the afternoon. A great chance to get together with all kinds of producers from across Illinois and Missouri and really have some some serious conversations about how to make uh, your farming operation more profitable. Because let's face it, nobody's in it just for a good time. We yeah. want to be good stewards of the soil. But uh, when the farmer goes to the bank, he can't say, you know, I have the healthiest soil <laughs> in all of America. And the banker goes, yeah, let's talk about your profitability. My father-in-law, so, my father-in-law told me when we first started uh, down on down on their farm there north of Barry, he said, we're just we're just having fun out here and i said well <laughs> as long as as long as we can have fun and pay the bills and keep the banker at bay that's i, I consider that fun Say, father-in-law is bringing your son-in-law at no pay part of your having fun because i don't think i'm interested in that how can we get registered for this because there even are continuing education credits that's right available yeah. so this is this is a pretty uh you know these are some high-powered speakers and some pretty good stuff and how much does all this cost it's it is free 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 mary we have we have never charged a dime for folks to come to this um, I, uh, you know, this isn't, you know, we're not, uh, a lot of the information that, that comes out here and, and the things we're asking folks to, to, you know, let soak in, you know, free up that compaction up there. It, uh, you know, sometimes folks don't want to pay to hear that. So <laughs> I, I made the decision, you know, six, seven years ago when we started this, uh, that we weren't going to charge and we've been able to, uh, utilize some grant funding, through USDA and uh, and also our sponsors and I'll I'll get to our sponsors here before I before I get out of here today uh, but they're the ones that allow us to offer this at 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 no charge to folks to come but we would we'd really appreciate you registering a couple different ways to register you can uh, you can call the office down in New London at five seven three nine eight five 
800-285-8611, extension 3. And uh, if you want to call in there today, there will not be anybody to answer the phone, but you can leave a message and we will get you registered. Uh, let us know your name and, and how many are going to be coming. You can, you can also search Nemo Soil Health out there on the World Wide Web of things. If, uh, if you come across one of our flyers, uh, there's a QR code on there. I've, uh, I got introduced to QR codes a couple years ago and, uh, Aren't figured they wonderful? out, oh my goodness, I figured out, uh, I figured out how to use another aspect of my cell phone. Even I can use a <laughs> QR code and that says a lot. But you can scan that code and that'll take you to our registration page there. Uh, we just ask for a name and an email address if you give us one. And that email address just allows me to, to keep folks aware of other events that we may have going on in, uh, in Northeast Missouri, West Central Illinois. So, so we'd like to have that. But, uh, and, and we just ask, you know, how many folks are going to show up. And that, uh, that's the main thing. Or you can check out, uh, you can check out the Rawls County Soil and Water Conservation page on Facebook. We've got it, uh, we've got it listed as an event there on the, uh, on the Facebook page. So, so yeah, we'll open the doors, uh, around 7.30, 7.45 that day and get everybody in there and we'll, we'll get ready to rock and roll around 8.30 in the morning. And it, it should be, uh, should be a fun day. Uh, we usually, I might throw a curveball or two out there at folks. Uh, I've been known to been known to do a few crazy things at the introduction and, and get everybody get everybody ready for the day. But uh, but yeah, again, we are we were looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, you'd mentioned the CEU credits for those certified uh, crop advisors and folks with uh, folks within that realm. We will have CEU credits there um, for folks to sign up for, and it uh, yeah, gonna be gonna be a lot of fun. A lot okay. of fun, Mary. A lot of fun. So, folks, the way you can did it, do it is you can call this number, 573-985-8611. You can go to mosoilandwater.land or backslash Rawls. You can search Nemo Soil Health uh, and just get yourself organized. Uh, anybody that's in the farming business, any uh, conservation agent or, you know, Farm Services could tell you all about this, and we hope everyone will enjoy it. Real quick, before I let you go, I want to kind of get the, give me the 30-second, what do you hope comes out of this? How, what's the easiest way to improve soil health? Oh, man, Debbie Huzar asked me this every year, and, and you know, I always tell her the, the goal of this event is to inform and educate and, and get folks to, you know, just be able to make an educated decision whether or not they think there's a place for soil health on their farm. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be introducing all of, of the soil health principles at once. You know, maybe, maybe we start small and we start on, on, you know, if we're, if we're, you know, we got it in our garden, we start, start on one part of our garden. If we got it, you know, on a, on a larger scale, we, we look at 20 acres, we look at 40 acres, um, you know, and, and we start to really try to see if, if it's making a difference there and uh, you know that that's the biggest thing can can we take this back is this a decision that 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 I can make on my operation and and will we benefit from it and and I think you know we'll be able to show you some some quick benefits when it comes to soil erosion uh by instrumenting some of these by 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 putting some of these principles to use um but but we're also going to be able to show you that hey there's some there's some good long term benefits out there as well 
and uh, and and you're going to start to see those after after a few years. Okay, and here's some advice from Farmer Mary Griffith. Uh, have your grandkids, little boys, they love to have them go pee on your tomato plant there in you spring go. because you know then you'll be pee recycling. I do uh, I do want to mention uh, some of our sponsors, Please Mary, do. if I can. And again, the, these sponsors allow us to feed everybody and and at no cost. You know, sponsors like MFA Yetter Manufacturing. Hannibal Tractor, Missouri Fertilizer Board, Green Valley Seed, Logan Ag, Singular Agronomics, TPNB Bank, Ursa Farmers Co-op, Big Iron, FCS Financial, Poet Ethanol, Bear AgriSciences, Pioneer Seed, Brongard Ag, Palmyra Nutrien, Great Rivers Bank, MA Bank, Crop Builders Plus, Poet Ethanol, John's Farm Supply, and Farmers Elevator, and there's there's a few others as well, Mary. But uh, but again, you know, we we really thank those sponsors and appreciate them being with us here. Um, we've got we've got a handful or more sponsors been with us all six years, and we've got got another handful or so been with us the last five. So it's been uh, it's been a really good relationship with those sponsors, and again, we we greatly appreciate them. Another thing I'll throw out to folks there on uh, in the Shelby County. Marion County, Rawls County, Monroe County area. I was I was supposed to be over at the Monroe County Young Farmers this evening, talking about uh, talking about this event and and uh, some of the financial assistance opportunities that are out there for cover crops. Uh, unfortunately, they have postponed that meeting tonight. But that's along with all the rest of the weather cancellations that are out there. Uh, so they have pushed that off. There was also supposed to be a, a lady from the Farm Service Agency talking about loans and uh, loan loan availabilities and opportunities out there. They have pushed that meeting back to Wednesday okay. at 6.30 over at the high school library there at Monroe City. So just, just want to let folks know that. I know uh, Steve Yates does a really good job with the Young Farmers Group over there, okay. and uh, and he, he asked us to come in. Okay, and, we got to we go. That. We're out of time. Lucas, Brass, thank, thank you, you so very much. Thank you, Mary. Appreciate you.